Hi, I'm Sherry Todd, a former DJ, now podcaster. Every week, I hope to take you on an adventure that informs, inspires, and starts conversations. I want to get honest, and I want to get to the heart of life and love. There's going to be good days, bad days, good shows, bad shows. And just like life, we have to figure it out. And I want to figure it out loud. Welcome to Sherapy. Welcome to my first show, Sherapy. I'm Sherry Todd. Thanks for listening. Now, I'm going to be honest. This first episode is not going to be an easy one. I want to share my story. Say that fast. Share my story. It's not an easy one to tell. Kind of Debbie, kind of downer, kind of Debbie downer. (laughs) But I promise other episodes will be a lot more fun. It's just, I believe you need to deal with the past to get to the future. Now, I'm no Oprah, but I like to share my experiences in hopes it helps others to get to their future too. So yes, it's true. I'm a middle-aged woman living in my mother's house. I'm her caregiver. My mom, Georgine, has moderate dementia. Now, I was born and raised here in Southern California, but in 95, I moved to Cincinnati. I was there till just after 9-11, and uh, at the request of my uncle and my mom, um, every now and then you'll hear a beep because people are texting me like crazy. I'm just so popular. Yeah, it's irritating. Anyway, I moved back uh, to help my mom and grandpa, or help my mom and uncle take care of my grandpa, who was 93 at the time. Now, I loved my life, and uh, I really loved my life in Cincinnati. And at the time, I had every intention of moving back there. But like most things in life, shit happens. So here I am, back where I grew up. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe God puts us where he wants us to be. I mean, we're, we're where God wants us to be at this moment. But as I look back, I can see why things happened. And really, there is a reason for everything. And right now, I'm doing what I love, kind of. I love radio. Now, I know this isn't radio. I know podcasting isn't really radio. But, you know, there's a microphone, there's a monitor. It's radio to me, okay? But more importantly, radio saved my life. It really did. And to understand how, I have to go into the past talk about some things, and um, some of you may have a hard time hearing them. But it's okay, because I'm okay. Now, my hope is that while I talk about my journey, some can relate, maybe take away a little wisdom, maybe find that I get it moment like I have. Now, what I have found is talking about things that hurt or anger or make you sad really do help. I mean, it helps you to move on and find a way to live your best life. Now that sounded like Oprah. Now for me, it was a great counselor, some awesome friends. Also, sometimes just having a good old honest talk with yourself will do wonders. So how did radio save my life? Well, most good stories have to start from the beginning. So it was my mom's third marriage. Her husband's name was Jack and I was five. I'm one of six kids and two stepkids, which came from my mom's third marriage. 
Well, mom didn't have much luck with her husbands. They all left her for other women. Marriage number one happened when my mom was 18. She had three boys, Ted, Mike, and Randy, all born a year apart. This husband left her for another woman, and he took my brothers with him. My dad was marriage number two, which is when my sister Tammy and I were born. My mom left my dad because he was cheating. Then came husband number three, Jack. He brought his two kids with him, James and Jennifer, who were the same age as Tammy and me. And to this day, I still call them my brother and sister. My sister Janelle was born during this marriage. Now, for some reason, I never liked Jack. He seemed weird to me. Once in the middle of the night, I ran into my sister on the way to the bathroom, and I screamed bloody murder, which scared Tammy, who screamed as well. When Jack and my mom ran out of their room, Jack picked me up and said, Did the boogeyman scare you? And I remember thinking, No, it was Tammy. There's no boogeyman, and put me down. See, I think I was kind of independent and uh, not easily scared, unless I ran into my sister in the dark. I walked home from kindergarten in the rain once, because my mom forgot to pick me up. I was pissed. I also remember once I talked James. I used to talk him into a lot of stuff, and I talked him into running away with me. We grabbed a loaf of bread and headed to an orange grove down the street that had an abandoned house on it. I assumed we figured we'd live on that loaf of bread till we got jobs. James changed his mind, so he went back. I wasn't going to run away by myself. I was five, not stupid. You know, I just wasn't that afraid of anything. But slowly, that started to change as Jack started to reveal his true self. Late one night, I woke up from a deep sleep standing in a line with my siblings. Jack wanted to know who touched his golf clubs. No one answered. I remember thinking this was stupid. He asked who the last ones in the shed were. Someone said James and Sherry. He yelled at me and James, then told us to go to our bedroom. I was a little scared. And that was the first time I was spanked with a belt. We soon moved to a new house, my brothers and sisters, and I loved it. It had a big backyard with an avocado and a peach tree, a plum tree in the front yard. Things were pretty good, but it was like living in the army. We had to make our beds before school. No biggie, but we had to wear the same outfit to school two days in a row. So what we wore on Friday, we had to wear again on Monday. If your dress was dirty, oh well, you had to still wear it. That way, we would learn to stay clean. And at dinner, we had to eat everything on our plate or sit there until the plate was clean. Tammy one time sat at that table till bedtime, and the next morning she had to eat what she didn't finish at dinner for breakfast. And when you were done eating, you had to turn your fork and spoon over and lay it on top of your clean plate. And you were never, ever to eat Jack's Oreo cookies. There were a few times that brought a nice little beating, And at least, good old Jack would let you pick out the belt he was going to whip you with. Now, I'll admit, I wasn't as punished as much as James and Jennifer. There were times they went to school with bruises and welts on their backs and legs. Jack had a violent temper. It didn't take much for him to go off. Many times he'd beat my mom. For what, I don't remember. But I remember her crying while we all hid in our rooms. Now, we had this big, white, fluffy dog named Lady. We all went away overnight, and Lady was left in the house. When we got home the next afternoon, she had gone to the bathroom on the floor. Jack went berserk. He took that dog in the backyard and beat her. I could hear the poor dog screaming. I yelled at my mom to stop him. She didn't say anything. 
few hours later, I wanted to go in the backyard to check on Lady. My mom said no. She didn't give me a reason. The next morning, I went into the backyard and Lady wasn't there. I asked my mom where she was, and she said that Jack gave her away. I was young. I never thought there could be another reason. One Sunday afternoon, Jack was watching football on the couch, and I walked in the house from outside. He asked me to get him a beer. Then he asked if I wanted to watch football. I said no. He said if I picked the winning team, he'd give me a dollar. That was a lot of money to a first grader, so I picked the Dolphins because, well, I love Dolphins. So as I was sitting on the far end of the couch, he asked me to sit next to him. So I did. Then he asked if I wanted a sip of beer. I said no, because I had tasted beer before, and it was nasty. He said, go ahead, so I did. And surprisingly, it tasted sweet. I'm pretty sure he doctored the beer, which means what was about to happen was planned. Jack was wearing a white T-shirt and had a blanket over his lap. While I was sitting there, he lifted the blanket up. He had no pants or underwear on, and there lied his penis. He asked me if I was scared. I said, no, remember, I'm not scared of anything. He then told me to touch it. So with one finger, I kind of poked it. He then told me to hold it. So with my hand opened, I kind of laid it on my palm. He told me, grasp it. And then he moved my hand up and down until he had an orgasm. I just gave my first hand job, and I was six. Afterwards, I just sat there not understanding what had just happened. He told me never to say anything to anyone, because if Mom found out, she would be so angry and never speak to me, and then I would be taken away to live with another family, and I would never see my family again. I swore I wouldn't say anything. I was scared to death of losing my family. I still remember the smell of the hot flesh as I washed my hands. Glad it was over. But it wasn't. For the next five years, what started out as a hand job turned into blow jobs, eventually into intercourse. Whenever Mom went to the grocery store, I was summoned to his room. Or he'd wake me up in the middle of the night, take me into the living room, or one time to a hotel room. Once an independent child, not afraid of anything, I had become a scared, clingy kid. I quickly figured out as long as I was with my mom, I was okay, I was safe. This, of course, made my mom crazy. She never had any peace with me hanging all over her. If she was going to the grocery store, then so was I. One day, I was begging my mom to let me go with her. Jack yelled from the garage and told me to stop following my mom around like a puppy dog. Mom kept walking, got in the car, and left. I was bawling. Jack yelled and said, stop crying or you give me something to cry about. And I knew he wasn't kidding. 
So I stopped crying and sat down on the grass. The only thing that kept me safe had just drove away. That's when I completely shut down. All of a sudden, I didn't talk to people, wouldn't answer phones or doors. I stayed in my room. I turned away from everyone, and I hid from Jack. If I knew he was in the living room, I would go through the back door and through the kitchen so he wouldn't see me. Sometimes the back door would be locked, and I'd stay outside long after dark, hiding behind the trash cans, waiting for him to go into his room. And I refused to call him Dad. I was always like, hey, or um... Finally, one day, he asked me if I liked what he was doing to me. I was afraid he would beat me if I said no. But if it meant he would stop, then it was worth it. So I said no. There was no beating, and the sexual abuse stopped. Two weeks later, Jack was gone. He left my mom for another woman with a young daughter. It was the happiest day in all my 11 years. As a joke, my brother James used to call me Angie Baby. Because just like the song, I stayed in my room and listened to the radio all day and night. I refused to go to school because I hated the teasing, but mostly I hated P.E. You see, back in the day, you had to shower after P.E., and I wasn't about to get butt naked in front of anyone I knew. I hated everything about school. I loved everything about radio, though. The DJs, the commercials, the segues, the PSAs, the contests, and mostly the music. I was fascinated with it. While we were still living with Jack, some nights I'd sneak into the living room, turn the radio on low, and lay there in the dark listening while everyone was asleep. So I had become a 13-year-old bitch. I would fight with my mom constantly. One night I said, fuck you, and she got so mad she locked me outside. I was sleeping on the lawn chair when I heard the front door unlock. My mom sent me to a few psychiatrists. The first one, I swear to you, just stared at me the whole hour. Not one word was said. The second one had me look at ink blots and take a test. He asked me what I loved. I said dogs. So mom got me a dog. She was a great Dane and the best dog I ever had. She loved only me and protected me. We were inseparable. I trained her and she was so smart that I only had to use hand commands and she would obey. I loved that dog. And I was a happier person. I went to school, tried to make friends. I still didn't quite trust people, but I learned to deal with the bullying. One day, a neighbor left the back gate open, and my dog got out and was hit and killed by a car. It was a long time until I got another dog. So yeah, things were tough growing up, and um, they eventually did get better. Um, 
I we eventually moved into my grandfather's house, and I went to high school, and I I made friends, and and um, I think I had a pretty normal high school experience, um, and but I was still self destructive in a lot of ways, and I I quit high school in my senior year, and I still don't have the answer why I did that. And I went to go work for my mom. My mom worked um, at a fast food restaurant. She was a manager. And I went to go work for her. And I just worked and made money and did whatever the hell I wanted to. I made some really good friends while I was at work. And we would just hang out together and go out and do crazy stuff. I mean, some of the stuff we did, I'm surprised that I'm even still here honestly, because it was just, it was craziness. And I was just, I was just doing nothing. And then one day my sister was dating this, this guy named Steve and he was going to Fullerton college for radio. And I was like, what? I'm like, let me talk to Steve. So I talked to Steve and I went and I went to Fullerton college, checked it out. And they had this whole radio program where you could eventually go on the campus radio station, make demo tapes, send it out, and they would try to get you into to, to jobs at radio stations, and they would they would try to get you into internships. And I'm like, this is like a fucking dream come true. So I went to Fullerton College, and I, and I enrolled in Fullerton College, and I started taking all the radio classes and everything else I had to take with it. But there was one problem. To get on the campus radio station, you had to take the announcing class. And I, that meant I had to talk to people that I, that I didn't know. I had to speak into a microphone in front of a teacher, in front of a classroom of, of other students. And you had to pass this class. If you didn't pass it, you didn't, you didn't get to, to the radio station, the campus station. And you didn't get an air shift. And I thought, oh, wow, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because honestly, up until, in fact, even now, even today, most of the friends I've had were, they, they approached me. I've never, that I can remember, approached someone and, and became friends with them. It was always the other way around, which is kind of surprising if you've ever seen me. And in fact, every single friend that I've had has always said to me, when I first saw you, I was scared of you because I have what is called, I guess they call it a resting bitch face, but I just look pissed off all the time. And I, everybody in my family has it. So you, you see us all sitting around, you would think we were ready to kill. So I'm like, how am I going to get past this fear of talking to people I don't know? So eventually I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get me a job. And I got me a telemarketing job. Now, what better job to pick up a phone, which I was scared to still talk to people on the phone, talk to strangers, which I was terrified of, and try to sell them something, which I was trying to sell them a newspaper. But I did it. I did it. It was hard at first, but then after a while, it became okay. It became okay to pick up a phone, and it became okay to talk to people I didn't know. And I passed the class. I was able to do it. I even gave a a lecture in front of the whole class, and, and I raised my hand first. I said, I'll go first. You know, because I 
wanted to get over the fear because I loved radio so much that I was willing to do anything to do it. And that meant getting over these fears, getting over the past, getting over the, the shit that's hanging on me and, and keeping me down. So I did it. And eventually I met, uh, or I already met Steve, but Steve and I, we, we, we got a company together. We syndicated a radio show, went across, you know, we had shows all across the, uh, the country. Uh, it was in Australia. It was really big in Australia for some reason. Eventually Steve and I parted ways. We're still friends to this day, but we still parted ways. And, and I ended up working at a couple of radio stations, ended up, you know, a morning DJ at a station in Lima, Ohio. I mean, that was my dream. And since then, I've gotten a lot of my dreams. I, I wanted a Mustang. I got me a Mustang. I wanted to live in a high-rise apartment with that overlooked the city, and I had that. You know, so I got over my fears, and I still have a lot of baggage still. I mean, I think we all carry baggage with us no matter what, but I still have a lot of it. The thing that always carried with me is the fact that nobody ever reported Jack because I know three children after me that were sexually abused by him and none of those women called on him either it probably has a lot to do with that people were afraid of Jack he had a violent temper he had uh, a voice on him that 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 would scare God, I think. I mean, he just had this voice on him. And he's very intimidating. And I and I get it how women just wanted to protect their children. I get it. You're a mom. You just want to get your child out of there. And, and you just want to go. But you got to report it. You got to prosecute them. You have to. They have to pay for what they've done. Not just because you want to save the next child from being abused, but it helps you. It helps you. You talk about it. You face your accuser. They have to face what happened to you. It may not bother them or not. Who knows? But for instance, Jack died. He died of karma. Let me tell you, this is karma. He died of throat cancer. His most powerful thing on him was his voice and he lost that. When I found out he was dying, I said, you know what, that motherfucker's not going to die without him knowing what he did to me. So I wrote him a letter. And in that letter, I poured out everything, how his actions had affected my life. And most importantly, I forgave him. It wasn't for him. It was for me. And I could care less if he thought, oh, fuck you. I don't, you know, how dare you forgive me? I didn't do nothing. You know, that'd be the type of his attitude. But I didn't care. I did it for me. So I sent the letter. And years later, I found out he never got the letter. I found out that um, the girlfriend that he had at the time had gotten the letter, and she read it, and she called James and asked him if it was true. He said it was true, and she told him that she could not give him the letter because he was too sick to read it. Yeah, big fucking deal. So. So did he actually ever read it? I don't know. Even though she said he didn't read it, she may have changed her mind and given it to him. I, I don't know. But even though after years I found out he didn't get it, it still didn't change anything because after I, it's like after I wrote it, it, it was 
I felt better. I could care less if he ever responded or not. It wasn't like I was running to the mailbox every day to see if he had sent me a letter to say he was sorry. No, I, I didn't care. I, I didn't want an apology from him. I, it just didn't matter. But you have to, you have to say something. Now, if you're having a hard time, this is what I want to talk about now, is that if you're having a really hard time getting over what happened to you, or if you know somebody that you love and care about that have been affected by this, you can find support at the National Sexual Assault Hotline. It's also called RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, which stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. Organization. Now, you can call them at 800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E, 800-656-H-O-P-E. They'll give you a range of free services, and it's all confidential. You can also get more information if you go to RAIN.org, which is R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G, R-A-I-N-N dot org. Um, now, I have a Facebook page, Sherapy with Sherry Todd. It's on Facebook. I'll put these numbers on there. Um, and there's something I want to read that um, my niece posted on her Instagram page, which I think helps for a lot of people that are dealing with a world around them that they feel is just hopeless or they feel that, you know, it's it just sucks. This world just sucks. I think we all feel that once in a while. But she posted this, and it's and it's something that um, I'm going to read you, and I I think um, I think it's really true and and uh, thought provoking. She felt like doing her part to change the world, so she started by giving thanks for all the blessings in her life, rather than bemoaning all that she was missing. Then she complimented her reflection in the mirror instead of criticizing it as she usually did. Next, she walked into her neighborhood and offered her smile to everyone she passed, whether or not they offered theirs to her. Each day she became these things, and soon they became habit. Each day she lived with more gratitude, more acceptance, more kindness. And sure enough, the world around her began to change because she had decided so. She was single-handedly doing her part to change it. So change can happen. You just have to make it. Okay, so that's all we have for, that's all the time we have for today. I really love to hear from you. Go to my Facebook page, Sherapy with Sherry Todd. Um, you can also, if you're using the Anchor app to listen to the podcast, there's also a way you can leave a message and I'll get it there. And any questions you want to have, whatever, just go to my Facebook page, leave a message with Anchor. And, um, I really appreciate you listening. And before I go, I'd like to leave you with a joke from my good friend, Alexa. Knock, knock. Who's there? The contractor. The contractor who? The contractor who forgot to install a doorbell. You can find Sherry P with Sherry Todd in your podcast app. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.